You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I'm sorry I'm obsessed, and th- this is just going to go on for a few weeks until the Republican Party down here in the United States comes to its senses and Michelle Bachman withdraws or is driven out of the party. And the odds of the GOP is going to come to its senses anytime soon, you know, before they completely wreck the economy, are slim. So we can keep talking about this for a while. Michelle Bachman and her husband, Markov. Um, I recently read a story that recaps their courtship and how they met. I'm just going to quote. Uh, this is Michelle Bachman talking about when she met her husband. And the Lord then led me to this man, she said, pausing to identify Marcus in the crowd, which is pretty easy. You just look for the brightest light, the biggest flame. That my calling from the Lord was to marry this man, Michelle continues. And I tell you that because I hate to disappoint you, darling, but it wasn't a big romantic surge that led us to each other. It was his word. Yeah, looking at the Bachman marriage, I'm going to say there's not a lot of big surges involved. Michelle goes on, at the same time, the Lord was speaking to my husband and he showed my husband. He was repairing a fence on the farm where he worked and the Lord showed him in a vision that he was supposed to marry me. And my husband said, I don't want to get married. I want to wait till I'm 27. I want to see the world. I want to have a great time in my life. I don't want to marry this girl. That is what Marcus Bachman told the Lord when the Lord gave him a vision. You know, this vision thing, you know, religious people having vision, like setting aside the Bachman's romantic, surgeless marriage and their alternate universe, bizarro world courtship where neither of them wanted to marry the other, but God was giving them both visions of what must be. This is not really the way heterosexuality works, is it? I, I say this as someone on the outside but a, but a frequent observer of the twilight world of the heterosexual, this isn't my impression of how it works. It's not like God drags you from the farm and rubs your head, you know, smacks your heads together. Then you got to marry this person on your vision quest. And setting aside, you know, Marcus Bachman's reluctance to get within a million miles of this woman, this whole idea that, you know, because you had a religious vision that it's a good thing or it speaks well to your character because you're in tune spiritually and you're paying attention to the shit that God tells you to do. In a court hearing on July 7th to determine the custody of a four-year-old boy who was left for dead on the side of a Texas highway, thrown out of a moving car by his father. I'm just going to quote from this story. Rico told the police he choked his son before leaving it. He described it as a religious experience Rico said to authorities that God told him to kill his son. Those religious visions, it's all fun and games and presidential politics and married faggots until somebody like a four-year-old child gets hurt. When God sends you a vision, that means you need to go lie the fuck down. God doesn't communicate by visiongram. The shit God tells you by visiongram is your own deluded self speaking to your own deluded self. Really, Michelle Bachman has no one to blame 
but Michelle Bachman for having married Liberace's more effeminate younger brother. Your calls, you barbarians, after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Fire TV is the ultimate adult video experience with over 15,000 movies featuring all your favorite stars. Find your perfect scene and watch it on your TV, computer, phone, or tablet. Go to FireTV.com now and sign up for free to see the world's hottest girls in the world's hottest films. That's F-Y-R-E-TV.com. I came out, oh, six months ago. I'm 17. Um, and I kind of let it... Parents kind of freaked the fuck out. Um, but I still never said I was straight, and I just kind of dropped it, you know? I'm like, they know... Whatever. My mother had been kind of... You called this guy. I mean, we still have a good relationship. She logged into my Facebook. I just left it up on my computer. And you know how you, like, have the interested in, you know? Well, she turned it to women. And, like, like, what? Like, I'm totally gay. And everyone knows I'm gay. Like, and, like, people commented on it, like, Jared likes women. What the fuck? So what do I do to get my mother out of denial? I think what you need to do is go on your mom's Facebook profile the next time she leaves her Facebook profile open. And uh, I'm assuming your mom's on Facebook now because all moms are, which is why children are abandoning Facebook. But anyway, go on Facebook the next time your mom leaves her account open and change her relationship profile to lesbian to seeking relationship with a woman and see how she likes it. See how she likes her identity being fucked with uh, in a place where her friends can see what's going on. Listen, uh, you can you know be mad at your mom and be playful with your mom or you can recognize this for what it is. It's a cry for help. It's a conversation starter. Your mother has, you know, dipped your pigtails in the inkwell. She's thrown a snowball at your car and you're allowed to turn around in your seat or pull over and say, Ma, what the fuck are you doing and come out to her again you're still gay you're still out there she knows she's just having one of those tantrums that parents often have when their kids come out to them and you need to be a little indulgent and a little understanding and patient and you have to parent your parents and you have to say mom i get it i get that you're disappointed and i need you to move through this and move past with me but you know defacing my facebook profile by implying that i want to be in a relationship like Marcus Bachman's one day isn't okay. And now let's talk about this. And then I would encourage you to change your password if you haven't already. And uh, be careful not to leave your Facebook profile open anywhere your mom can get your hands on it. And make that bitch go to a fucking PFLAG meeting right now. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a uh, straight-identified 20-year-old female. Um, And for the most part, I've had kind of a... Uh, vanilla, I guess you'd say, sex life. Um, in my first relationship when I was uh, 16, my first sexual relationship, uh, we actually used to use uh, handcuffs because um, I really have always loved that. And uh, I was lucky enough that the first guy that I had sex with uh, was into that too. Surprise, surprise. Um, and then all through college, uh, for about five years, um, I dated a guy who 
uh, was not particularly supportive of that part of my uh, identity, I guess you'd say. Uh, and so for the most part, I kind of repressed that. Um, the relationship was great, but I, I was always, I think, kind of unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Um, and I recently have ended that relationship, uh, I think, in part because of that. Um, and I'm now, you know, uh, 24 years old, uh, fairly young, and I'm, I'm looking to uh, engage that part of me. Um, the complication, I guess, is that uh, about a year ago, right about the time I, I ended this relationship, um, and this may have something to do with it as well, um, I was actually witness to uh, dating violence that, that actually escalated uh, to murder, um, and it, I think, really messed with me. Um, and when I say witness to, I don't mean I was sitting in the room, um, but he was a good friend and, and she was a friend. Uh, and I think it really kind of messed me up. So while I'm uh, trying to engage the side of me, um, and, and by that I mean, you know, bondage and, and being submissive, uh, I'm also just kind of more weary uh, about pursuing things like Craigslist. Uh, I think I have hang-ups there. Uh, and I am talking to someone about that. Um, but I guess my question for you is, uh, is there any kind of outlet for people who uh, kind of wish to engage in, in bondage and submissive uh, behavior uh, that that is uh, safer, I guess you'd say, than Craigslist? Uh, I, I have a hard time, I think, meeting people and introducing this, and I find that for a lot of guys it seems off-putting. Uh, so I'm just wondering if there are any other outlets that I can use. It sounds like you're a bit mixed up right now, and I would encourage you not to engage in any varsity-level kinks if you're feeling at all squicky about it, particularly with you know, the history here that you witnessed intimate partner violence and a friend died as a result of intimate partner violence. I do think you need to separate these issues while you think about it before you jump in and act on anything. You, know, you say you're worried about going on Craigslist because of what happened to your friend, but your friend wasn't – victimized and murdered by some random stranger that she picked up on Craigslist or a kinkster, it sounds like, that she went after. It was she was murdered by someone that she knew, someone she was dating, by a partner. And you need to separate those issues out. Also, you know, some people mistake and it's particularly damaging, I think, when someone who's kinky or interested in kink or interested in power play in an erotic context will mistake, you know, that kind of – Dom sub cops and robbers for grown-ups with your pants off play for non-consensual intimate partner or just partner or just random sexual violence. And they're really very separate and distinct things um, made so by the addition of the magic ingredient which is consent. Presumably your friend in this relationship that involved domestic violence, intimate partner violence and ultimately murder didn't consent to any of this and it is a tragedy and it is a shame but it is except for perhaps uh, – no, in no way. Is it, is it – does it have anything to – do they have anything to do with each other? Someone in a relationship that involves non-consensual domestic violence to the point of murder, what they're trapped in or what's being done to them is in no way analogous to somebody who – likes to up the stakes and have a little drama and play S&M-wise in a consensual and safe and mutually fulfilling sexual encounter with a partner or a stranger they met on Craigslist. They're to two totally different animals. And if you at this point in your you know, emotional development or you know, emotional recoil from this murder uh, that came so close to you and touched you can't make those distinctions, can't see the difference, you shouldn't 
be looking online uh, for anyone uh, or or perhaps engaging in S&M sex yet with somebody that you date. If you can't see the difference between these two things now, in the moment when you're you know in, engaging in perhaps a little cops and robbers for grown-ups with your pants off and orgasms with a partner who is behaving in every way consensually, totally respectful of your wishes and desires, trying to give you a good time, you may in that moment freak out. Because you're confusing that consensual play for the violence that your friend was subjected to. And that's not something you want to do to yourself emotionally. That's also not something you should do to that other person. Because if you freak out, that person's going to feel terrible and terribly guilty and terrible about their desires and terrible about what they accidentally did to you. So until you can make these distinctions, see these differences, I would encourage you not to pursue any S&M play uh, Online or, you know, in your dating life for the moment. I would encourage you to continue to think about it before you take any risks. Fire TV is the ultimate adult video experience with over 15,000 movies featuring all your favorite stars like Sasha Gray, Brie Olson, Alexis Texas, Tori Black, and more. Find your perfect scene and watch it on your TV, computer, phone, or tablet. Membership is totally free, and all new members also get the Fire TV exclusive Wealth and Deception in their library as a bonus for joining. Go to FireTV.com now to see the world's hottest girls in the world's hottest films. That's F-Y-R-E-T-V.com. Hey, Dan. This is a 23-year-old gay male living in, living in New York City. Uh, so far, for the past year and a couple of months, um, I've been dating somebody, and recently we've been talking about having a threesome. I'm a little bit more conservative than he is when it comes to sex. He's had a lot more sex than I have, even though he's like a year younger than I am. My question is, I don't know how to get used to the idea of seeing someone else penetrate him. So far, it's mostly been me topping and hem-bottoming, although we do switch off here and there. And I'm just wondering what I could do to wrap my head around that and not freak out if it happens. Um, so far, we've turned on the idea of starting with the rules and not having any penetration and like easing into it, but I know penetration is something he's probably going to want to build up to, even though he says he won't. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for me on how to work around that. Sounds like your boyfriend is doing everything right. He is interested in the threesome. He's communicated to you why it would be hot. And he's listened to you when you expressed your reservations and pointed out that you're not sure you can handle watching him be penetrated by someone else. And so he's taken that off the table and said we can have a threesome without penetration or without you know me being penetrated by anybody else. And I think that's reasonable of him. And now the trick is for you to trust him and trust that if he's identified a, a way to have threesomes with a few baby steps, that he'll take it slow and the steps will indeed be baby. And so, you know, have a threesome a couple of times where it's just mutual masturbation, rolling around, maybe a little oral, and you are the only person in the room who's allowed to penetrate him anally and see how you feel. You may decide in the moment uh, or after a few threesomes that the idea of him being penetrated once you're actually having a threesome is less scary or intimidating or trippy than you assumed it would be. 
going in. Or you may not. You may realize having these threesomes that that's a hard line for you and that's either is fine and well within your rights. There's a lot of people, particularly in swingerdom, who place limits on you know vaginal intercourse. Uh, they you know they have soft swap and hard swap. My straight swinger friends call it a soft swap is masturbation and oral with others, uh, but no vaginal penetration, no anal penetration, and uh, a hard swap is everything goes. And what you should do is soft. You should say we can have a training wheels, baby step, threesome once or twice. I want to see that you'll respect my limits and my and you know address my concerns and then we can have fun and maybe the kind of fun we have can grow and change over time uh, as I feel you know a greater degree of safety or come to feel differently about penetration but I may not and then you got to give him the benefit of the doubt you've got to allow him to demonstrate to you that he will respect your limits and wishes and have a threesome that's as much fun for him as it is fun and safe for you Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi. Um, so my question is about my cousin. She's 19 years old, and uh, she and I both recently made profiles on a dating website. And yesterday she told me um, that she's planning to meet a guy who is 42 years old, and he's in an open marriage. Um, so my cousin's 19. She's had, um, when she was in high school, she first had a girlfriend for about half a year and then a boyfriend for about a year. So she's had some dating experience, but... Um, she's really inexperienced with sex. Um, I, I'm pretty sure she's a virgin. Um, and I was just wondering what, what your thoughts are about this. She hasn't met up with anyone yet who she's, uh, who she's gotten to know online. But she said this guy is really articulate and kind and low pressure. So I guess she's got a good feeling about him so far. But I can't help but think that a 42-year-old man who you know, would message a girl who's 19 and wants to meet up with her, might not have some bad intentions. Um, I don't have anything against uh, open relationships. I've been in one. Um, but I can't help but think that if she wants to get involved with him, well, it couldn't. It probably wouldn't be serious. And I don't know. It just seems like it could really end badly. Um, the, the one thing is she doesn't drive, so I she asked me to drive her to the date, so that would be good. I would probably be nearby and I could kind of watch out for her or something like that, but I'm just not sure what to do. I'm really worried about this. Uh, it kind of seems like the sort of thing that could really end up hurting her physically, sexually, emotionally, um, and that later I would say, well, how could I have not stopped her or um, how could I have actually driven her to see this guy? But at this point, I'm afraid that if I just keep talking to her about it, because I did mention my concerns, but if I keep pushing her about it, she'll think I'm judging her and just be afraid to even talk to me about it. So I'm not really uh, sure what to do, and I'd love to get your advice on it. Thank you. Here's what you tell your cousin. If this 42-year-old who lives far, far away and needs somewhere she needs to be driven is in an open marriage for reals, then I'm sure his wife approves of the conversations he's having online with teenagers, and she'd be only too happy to come to the phone and chat with her. 
and would be only too happy to come to their first meeting and hang out and have coffee and meet the 19-year-old that her 42-year-old husband wants to fuck. Um, yeah, there are 42-year-olds online in open marriages, but I'm 42 and I'm in an open marriage is something that a 63-year-old in a closed marriage might say to a teenager online relying on her naivete and desire to be desired and the sort of false sense of intimacy that can be created online. You need to say all this to your cousin, which is not to say that you know every 42-year-old who's ever fucked a 19 or 20-year-old is a bad person who had ill intentions. It's just not true, as we've demonstrated again and again here at Savage Love in conversations about the campsite rule, that sometimes it's good to have sort of an older, wiser sexual initiator and to be initiated and to learn and grow. And so long as you aren't misled so long as you leave someone or are left in better condition than you were found, it's all good. But there's just – this sets off my sort of skeezy alarm bells too, that he doesn't live nearby, that he's trawling so far out of town that the folks he's trawling for have to be escorted to him. It just raises red flags. So I would encourage your young cousin – to regard even how articulate and kind and low pressure he seems to be as also potential red flags because, you know, people who are serial killers don't come off like serial killers. Otherwise, no one would go home with them to be serially killed, right? Everyone who's ever been offed by a serial killer was taken in by a serial killer. Read about Ted Bundy. Bring up Ted Bundy on Google. Bring up his wiki page and have your cousin read about Ted Bundy. He was a serial killer here in my hometown and he was – a real charmer, apparently, which is why so many women fell for him. All that said, you know, she's 19 years old. She's an adult. She can do what she wants to do. She can make her own mistakes. If you believe this is a mistake, if she will not ask this guy to let her talk to the wife, if she will not ask this guy uh, to come to her, to come to where she's on her own turf and on safe ground, to meet her in a neutral place with no hope of getting into her pants instantaneously. You are in no way obligated to assist her, to take her off to meet somebody that you think may be dodgy. You're not obligated. Even if you respect her adulthood and her you know, free agency and her ability to do what she wants to do, you don't have to assist. And I wouldn't if I were you. Hey, Dan, I'm a 25-year-old gay man from a very big city, and um, my boyfriend is quite a bit younger than I am. He's 16, which is legal, of course, and um, he and I have a great relationship. We've been together for, like, a year, and he's kind of getting a little more, like, um, adventurous with regards to what we do in bed. I mean, we're monogamous. Uh, we use a condom, but he's been kind of wanting to do a little bit of... Um, like enema stuff and three-way and like he's bringing all these things up and so he's really opening up sexually and of course I'm racked with guilt like I'm always trying to be sort of the, the good older boyfriend and I've always I've always sort of said you know I, I'm worried about what this will do to you in the future I'm worried I'm going to fuck you up or make you a slut or you know all these things and he's sort of gotten it but the thing these things keep popping up and I, I don't know I don't know how to whether I should quash it, like just completely say no, or whether there's actually a way for me to do this or facilitate this without me either being racked with guilt or him coming out of the whole experience, you know, thinking that, you know, these things are 
okay. And a bareback was an also another thing. I, I, I totally refused, but you know, he's been wanting it. And so I just want to be a good boyfriend and I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, he enjoys himself, but he's also being responsible. I actually kind of hope there aren't too many 25 year old gay men out there fucking 16 year old gay boys, but that's just me. And that's just my sort of latent, middle-aged, creeping conservatism because when I was 16 years old, I had already had a three-way and I am in no way damaged, was no way damaged by that. The kinks I had at 16 are the kinks I have still. Uh, so there's really nothing about indulging your boyfriend in his sexual interest that's going to make you necessarily a bad guy or going to fuck him up. And it might be better if – considering how sort of thoughtful you are and safe and considerate, that you indulge him in these things in a thoughtful and safe and considerate manner. Up to barebacking. And there I would draw a line because there's a lot of young people who are acquiring HIV because they mistakenly believe that in a relationship of a year or two's duration – that they know somebody well enough or three months or a month's duration, that they know somebody well enough to believe them when they say they're negative and to stop using condoms because it's love. The, what seems to be a, a creeping uh, social norm for young gay men is condoms are for the first three times you fuck and then not after because then you're in a relationship and you shouldn't have to use condoms in a relationship. And when it comes to barebacking, what you should model for your boyfriend is, no, you need to use condoms within a relationship for a fucking long time, just like straight people have to use birth control in a relationship for a very long time until they want to get pregnant, until you guys can really be sure that you are the ones and onlys and forevers and that he's not going to put you at risk by doing anything stupid and lying to you about it and vice versa. So I would be the thoughtful, considerate, campsite rule observing older boyfriend if I were you and draw a hard line at – Barebacking and tell him no. That's for grown-up adult relationships just like for heteros, unprotected intercourse, open to conception is for grown-up adult relationships. But the animas, well, you know, not my scene. Uh, and that may be something that once he does it once or twice, he realizes it's a little like having the shits, sounds just like having the shits. And isn't that erotic? So maybe you should uh, run out and grab him an enema bag. Sometimes the cure for a bizarro kink is actually experiencing it once or twice. Um, and three ways, if you can find somebody else who's safe and kind and considerate, I don't see why you couldn't necessarily make that happen for him in the context of your loving, campsite rule observing, safe, 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 non-bareback relationship. Yes, hi, Dan. This is uh, Chris from New York. I'm a big fan. I'm 24, uh, bisexual. Yeah, I had a problem at my job. Where basically, you know, the whole gay marriage in New York uh, was, you know, a little you know, positive thing. I, I'm glad and support that. But then I work in a environment where there's a lot of guys who basically don't feel that way. Now, I'm only in this job just to pay the rent and all that. And I'm going to school become a teacher and just, you know, this is only temporary, but does pay the bills. But just the, the, the comments and the ignorance that they've shown, like, basically, you know, 
two gay parents raising kids, the kid's going to be gay, and, and, and more just nonsense. Anyway, my question is, is that should I um, let this stand, um, telling them that, you know, that, hey, that's not cool, even though I am planning not to be there any anytime soon, or just let it slide? The question here is, would he let it slide if they were saying racist or anti-Semitic things? And probably not. The difference, though, is that, you know, when somebody says something racist and a white person says that's not cool or that's not okay, nobody looks at that person and thinks, what are you, black? You're not revealing anything about yourself necessarily. In some homophobic work environments, somebody sticks up for LGBT people. People will look at that person and assume or presume, and correctly so in your case, I believe you said you were bi, that you must be one of them queers. You really at some point have to take a stand and have to draw a line and have to take a little risk. And it doesn't sound like you're risking much because, as you said, you're not going to be there for long. And you could help change minds, change that environment, change the social norms, which is the phrase of the day, uh, in that workplace, not by saying that's not cool because where does that get you? Nowhere. You can say, you know, you're wrong. Kids uh, raised by gay people no likelier to be gay when they grow up than kids raised by straight people. If, being, if, you know, if people had the same sexual orientation that their parents had, there would be no gay people. That usually ends that conversation. And if you're worried that they're going to assume that you're gay, you should say, I know some queer people and you guys are wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to out yourself as queer yourself, although I think that would be good and smart and wise because that's really what blows people's minds in the end. What really changes their attitudes is when they realize somebody they know and like and respect and work with or are related to or gave birth to is one of them queers. And I would encourage you, you know, to take the risk and do that just to see what it feels like. Maybe on your way out the door since you're leaving anyway. Wait till close to your last day and see if you can't steer the conversation back around to marriage and then drop the bombshell on them and blow their little bigoted minds. But if you can't do that, at the very least, you should stick up for us and yourself as best you can. Uh, and you haven't done that yet, but there's still time. Hi, Dan. Um I had a rather embarrassing question, but it's only embarrassing because I grew up in the bullshit South where these things aren't talked about. So I've been dating this guy for about two months, and it's really great, and blah, blah, blah. We're so, so amazingly compatible. And we both have a fantasy, a rape fantasy, and we are acting it out this Saturday. The thing is, he is a method actor, and so when he started playing, or when, when I had suggested it and we started planning it, I realized just what I was getting into when I saw how much planning he was putting into it, just acting-wise. And I guess I have no idea what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to act or even how to go about doing this. I mean, this is a first for me. Unfortunately, we didn't get your call until, I didn't hear it until after the big day. So how did the big uh, rape fantasy scenario method acting workshop go? It went well, but we saw, we we see it as like practice for next time because a few weird things went wrong. For example, I had some symptoms of a UTI infection, which really made it hard for me to relax and like I didn't come. And also 
we, we, we decided that the best way to do this would be to, like, fake a fight over something, only we had trouble faking a fight because we had nothing to fight over, and it ended up being over cupcakes. Wow. Sounds like acting. Yes. Sounds like a lot of acting went into this. The dialogue was about on level with Twilight. Yeah, that's the problem when people want to role play. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of different things just, you know, to test, you know, to, in the Savage Love test kitchens. And role play is always sort of like, really? You're not a drill sergeant. Really? I find it hard to, like, snap into it. That's why I'm not an actor, I guess. Um, well, he is. He's actually been in, like, 37 musicals or something. There's not a lot of rape musicals, but I'm sure he's totally... He was in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. There's no rapes in that either. But it's about a whorehouse. It is true. It is about a whorehouse. And uh, I, I, I'm sure he was fabulous as one he of the... Was- he was like the only straight member on the Aggie football team in that show. <laughs> There's always got to be one, you know, so the gay boys <laughs> have somebody to beat up in the locker room. Now, so, so how can I help you for next um, time? I guess we, we, it went well, but we had trouble, like, maintaining some sort of semblance of a scene. And it got to the point where at the end, I was like, he, he couldn't come anymore. And I wasn't coming because I felt sick. And so we just kind of looked at each other. And we're like, neither of us are coming. And it's like, that was the end. And we just kind of started laughing. And so it was enjoyable, but it was really hard to suspend disbelief. Yeah, here's my suggestion uh, for you guys. You need to make it as not fake as possible. And so the more things you do that emphasize the fakery, the, the more difficult it will be to, you know, nail this role play scenario. You need to be as close to reality as you possibly can. So talking or, you know, having it like st- grow out of your relationship in any way, I would, you know, have him pull on a ski mask and come through the window in the middle of the night and say nothing. So it shouldn't be like date rape. It should be like stranger rape. Well, I mean, well, it depends on what turns you on. If date rape is the fan- rape fantasy scenario that works for you in a consensual context and turns you on, then you should, of course, pursue that. I'm just trying to think of a way to pull out as much, of the little theater aspect of this as possible to pull out as much opportunity for, you know, moment destroying gut busting laughing lines. And I just can't, so, I'm really having a hard time picturing how you get from an argument about cupcakes to a date rape, but well, all right. No, no. Okay. I baked. Um, so how this worked was, um, he came to my apartment and then we like faked a fight over something. We faked a fight. Okay. We faked a fight over cupcakes. Cause I baked cupcakes to give to people at dancing, and then I was like, well, I'm going to go dancing. So I went to the place to go dancing on Saturday, and he's like, I'll be there in a minute. And, like, that was, like, we had agreed I would, like, leave him my key and so he could lock up and, like, set up the room with, like, ropes and stuff. And he's, like, a Boy Scout, and so he knows it's not. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he got there, and then he had a fake fight about how he was jealous of me dancing with all the other guys, which he's not jealous at all. And then we got back to the apartment, and we had a glass of wine. And um, then we faked the fight over whether how I don't give him enough sex, which is ridiculous because his last girlfriend was asexual, and I'm my libido is higher than his, and he has a high libido. And we joked, and it was that whole "I have a headache, I'm not in the mood" thing. And he, then it was like, "I don't care if you're in the mood." And then this, this is like this is like the fucking it, Nicholas Nickleby of 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 fantasy enactment scenarios. This is like the longest play ever. This is the fucking War of the Roses cycle from Shakespeare. When did you get to the fucking? Um, directly after that, and it did last a pretty long time, and well, then we watched the movie afterwards. And, you know, that's one of the benefits of, like, fantasy scenario and, like, power games, is you can really stretch them out, and sex can last all day. But Jesus Christ, how many acts are here? This is like the fucking morning becomes Electra of rape fantasy scenarios. I think you guys need to simplify, because then there's less sort of laugh line, guffaw moment, landmines that you could land on. 
And just, you know, have him come through the window. He can still know you, etc. Yeah. And, and just make the MacGuffins less ridiculous. Make them smaller. That, that doesn't make sense. So I, you were asking me what turns me on. What turns me on is the surrendering of power, because I'm a very dominant person and I have trust issues. And so, like, what turns me on is, like, the ability sur- to surrender power through someone taking it from me that I trust. Okay, but the reality is in most, you know, power exchange yeah. situations, you have to give it away. Yeah, you have to give it away. And, and, and the, where, people get, where people get tripped up in power play games is they want the power seized from them, and they don't want to feel like they're handing it over because then they feel like they're in charge of their own powerlessness. And yeah. it's actually really best to make an active game out of handing it over. It's like passing a torch. You're handing power over. And... Bondage is a good way to do that. You guys can have you know little theater. Morning becomes Electra. Nicholas Nickel the Athon. Up until the moment you're tied up, and then it actually can become very real because you you don't have the ability then to take it back. You'll only be able to relax and enjoy it if you trust that if you demand it back because it's not working for you, he's going to relinquish it. Yeah, oh, but that's yeah, where that's- the skill comes in in S and M is like riding that line. As my kinky friend Mike says, it's not bondage till you want to get out. And the yeah. skill comes in, like, pushing that edge where you're kind of making somebody – he would be making you kind of want to get out but also not want to get out because you're – some part of it, you're enjoying, enjoying it. the shit out of it. And yeah. I think you guys should focus on the last couple hours of the evening and this, like – I don't know. Leading up to? Like, elaborate scheme? The elaborate scheme. Is he getting, a, is he getting a credit for this in his acting class or something? Are you going to have to fill out a, a, an evaluation? No. We, he's just—he hasn't acted in a while, so I think he's missed it a little bit. And I enjoyed—I enjoyed the elaborate process, and we both just enjoy making things too complicated. Simplify, simplify, simplify. But we're nerds. We don't simplify. Simplify. Your kabuki rape scenario is a little overblown, I think. It is good that you called me today because I have something that I think you'll find amusing from last night. Knock us out. Okay, so I got kicked. Um, I dance pretty regularly. I got kicked out of the bar I usually go to to dance at because I'm underage. But the thing is, I don't drink there and I don't cause a ruckus there, so I've never had any problem there. Except that my ex decided to be a vengeful bitch and got and told the owner and got me thrown out, and I was really angry. And I was like, "How can I channel this?" And so I called him over and we had angry sex, and it was amazing. You guys are perfect together, and I'm glad you guys found each other. We actually found each other at a dance place that we only went to once and never went really back to because neither of us can country dance. There's a lot of little random things about timing in our relationship that are both good and bad. For example, one of the bad slash good, we can't decide which it is. Yay, we met and have enough time to develop a Okay, we really have to go. Leave, um, I have to go and pick up my kid. Me, the taxi like, driver's youth have another show to record, so we're just going to let her talk. Like, 206-201-2720, that's the number. Give us a call if you have a question or a comment for a future show. Uh, we'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. We're just going to leave the equipment on, let the caller get it off her chest, but we're out of here. Talk to you all next week. And we recently did that for a promotion of a local community theater doing hairspray and that's what they do together they do that kind of stuff together is it bad that my best sex ever was angry sex about an ex but we're we're, we're debating whether or not next time we see him if we walk up to him and be like hey buddy thanks for getting your ex kicked out of the bar we had awesome angry sex repeatedly thank you i think that i guess i could tell you that the reason i was hesitant about great fantasy in the first place was that um 
my parents financially control me and like it kind of fucks me up. And so like the whole, I'm, I'm enthralled and afraid of the idea of surrendering control. I guess it's kind of like what Freud says, which is where you eroticize what you fear most. Freud's kind of awesome, but when we were first dating, um, my roommate bought his brother um, America the book, so we went back home. And like, in it, it's by John Stewart. And in it is a fake bibliography. And one of them is, see if I can remember, John Stewart's Anthology of Public Domain Victorian Erotica. And I looked at it, and I was like, if this exists, I want it. And then he was on this computer one day at my apartment, and he like shut the screen really quickly when I came in. And I was like, what were you doing looking at porn? And he like had this weird look at it.